inspiring solutions to save America one show at a time. Are you ready to get on board? You told us when it could be time to panic. Well, is it time to panic? Well, let me just tell you, folks, it's never going to be time to panic because we're never going to give up. We're not going to give up on America. America is worth it. America is worth fighting for. America is worth not giving up. And while we have that attitude of not giving up, we are constantly going to be searching, strategizing, coming up with ways to prevail. We've got the basics. We have we have millions and millions of Americans that are fed up. Can't wait to do something about it. There will be a series of ideas that people come up with based on dealing with the fraud that we know we have to deal with. You're not alone. You're not a singular individual all by yourself out there trying to fight these people by yourself. There are 74 million plus and growing. We're not going to give up on America. From sea to shining sea, three hours of bold truth and excellence. The Wendy Bell Radio Program. Welcome back. Hour number three of the Wendy Bell Radio program. It's always a delight to welcome back our friend. He's a Marine. He's a former federal agent. He's written the book Raising a Jihadi Generation. He is a good man, and his name is John Guandolo. Hey, John, happy 248th birthday of the United States Marine Corps. Thank you very much. I would say I look pretty good for 248. That's all I'm saying. You know, it's so interesting to have you be a voice on this program, John, because with this book that you've written, with your your work that you do um, so much, digging into the roots and the history of, of j- the jihadi network here in America, now is such a good time to be talking about all this. So, So take it away. I know there's a lot of stuff in the news that we need to discuss. Well, there is, and I think... Uh, you and I have talked in the last couple of weeks, certainly since October seventh, uh, and the the attack on Israel by Hamas. Uh, and I just saw something fascinating yesterday that really brings it home: is a young guy going around saying, "Hey, would you uh, you know sign this pledge to support you know Palestine and uh, and and Hamas?" you know, defending Palestine, the people were like, yeah, give me the pen. And he's like, but, you know, I got to read the stipulations to the agreement. And then he basically read from what uh, either the Hamas covenant or what Hamas believes in, like what Sharia law is. And and then people were like, no, I don't, I can't support that. It's amazing what <laughs> education like, does to you. Yes. And so in in your question, in uh, in what we're going to talk about today, I thought I would just begin by saying this. You only can win wars if you know the enemy and know yourself. Mm-hmm. And that is as old as Sun, Sun Tzu. And a lot of people throw Sun Tzu out there, but what does that actually mean? And what I've been doing for 20 years, both in the government, and the FBI, the DOD, and, and with my company, and just individually, is explaining to people who the enemy is, what they're doing, and how they're doing it. Their doctrine, their modus operandi, their networks, and who we are. 
how America is supposed to function as a society, as a government, how it was set up. And in my experience in the last 20 years, very few Americans, very few, understand both of those. Right. And so... Uh, so who are they? I, so who are well, they? Tell us, who are they? And what, what are the, what's their doctrine? So they tell us, the Islamic movement globally, and I'll talk about it in the United States, we know that they say they are Muslims waging jihad to establish an Islamic state under Sharia. That is what the identifiable, organized Islamic network in the United States says about themselves. That's who they are. So if you begin there, and by the way, from a professional intelligence standpoint, in other words, what U.S. doctrine, military and U.S. intelligence doctrine states, the, the way we are supposed to evaluate a threat is based on who they say they are and why they're fighting. So that is what the Muslim Brotherhood says. It's what Hamas says. It's what Al-Qaeda says. It's what ISIS says. It, it's what the jihadis, we've killed or captured on the battlefields of Iraq, Afghanistan, Syria, Africa, other places, say is the reason they're fighting. It's the people who have stated in an open testimony in court that we've arrested who are jihadis, have said it's to impose Sharia, Allah's divine law, on the earth. And we have decades of information and evidence on who they are and what they're doing. Tell everybody what Sharia law is. Tell everybody what that means, because when I see gay people out protesting, pro-Hamas protests, when I see women who are out doing, they don't, uh, they obviously don't understand what the people they're trying to support are all about, because it's not them. Right. So in a nutshell, in a nutshell, Allah's divine law is the law that all Muslims required to impose on every person on earth. The stated objective of Islam in the most widely used Islamic school textbooks uh, in the United States states that the purpose of Islam is to impose Allah's divine law on the entire earth, and that which is called Sharia, and Sharia comes from the Quran and the Sunnah. The Quran, which is their book, which they believe Every word, every sentence in the Quran is a direct, directly out of the mouth of God, their God, Allah. And the Sunnah is the example of what the Prophet Muhammad, who they believe to be the perfect example, said and did. So if we just start there, that in the Quran, dozens of times it says Muhammad is the perfect example. He's a, quote, beautiful pattern of conduct for all Muslims for all times. And what did he do? Well, he said, I've been commanded to wage war against the non-Muslims until they testify there's no God but Allah. So uh, non-Muslims are required to convert to Islam or be killed, unless you're a Christian, Jew, or Zoroastrian, because if you had a holy book before the time of the Prophet Muhammad, then you have a third great option, which is you can convert to Islam, submit to Islamic law, and pay the non-Muslim poll tax, or be killed. Those are the only options. There is no such thing as a version of 
Islamic law that says something other than that. And there's no version of Islam that does not oblige all Muslims to impose Allah's divine law on the earth. It's the purpose of Islam. And how do, they, and, how, how do these people feel about women, by the way? Well, uh, that's interesting. So women are treated as property under Islamic law. And uh, depending on the situation, uh, there are a variety of laws that cover uh, women. And they are treated like property. Uh, men can uh, marry up to four women. Uh, women, women's testimony is in court is not equal to that of a man's. Uh, women are required. Now, you will see women who are uh, in support of uh, Sharia will come out and speak publicly and say, you know, wearing the burqa is freedom for me because it says I can do what I want. But that's a lie. It's not. They have to cover their body. Um, They're meant to breed. Say that again? They're meant to breed. That's right. And they're required, by the way, to uh, satisfy their husband whenever they desire it, except under very specific um, circumstances, uh, whether they want to or not. Uh, For instance, in in Islam, uh, a Muslim man can rape a non-Muslim woman uh, if they are not properly covered, because Islamic law states whether you're a Muslim woman or a non-Muslim woman, if you are not covered up, and so part of your body is showing, and you excite the man to the point that he takes you physically, that's your fault. Legally, that's your fault. And we have, why, and, and we have young women on college campuses wearing the scarf, holding the flag. They don't have a freaking clue. I, you would hope that they don't. Either that or they're tremendously... Uh, you know, mentally abused or something that they would want that treatment. And I will tell you this is a real, no, you know, right to the ground story. I have been giving presentations where women in uh, burqas and hijabs have been in the audience. And on one occasion in Virginia, a few of the women ran out of the room. And the guys on the security detail said when they walked briskly by here, they said that they understood what we were teaching was true, and they didn't know it. So they converted to Islam without fully understanding it, which, by the way, Islam teaches. You do not teach uh, non-Muslims all about Islam before they convert. You only teach them enough so that they do convert, because once they're in, they can't leave, because it's a capital crime in Sharia sounds- to leave Sounds so loving and, and kind and, and welcoming. John, I want to have to take a quick time out. Tell me what you want to talk about after the break, because I know you're loaded with all sorts of stuff. I'd like to talk about uh, how we know about the Islamic Network in the United States and what they're doing. And that can, that can be a part of it. And then I'd like to talk to a couple things uh, about what they are doing and, and how in past generations we've dealt with this uh, prior to the last 20 or 30 years. You got it. All right. John Guandolo, our national security expert, Marine and federal agent. He's got it all next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. Happy 248th birthday to the United States Marine Corps. John Guandolo, a Marine and our expert. Um, basically, the jihadi network operating here in the United States. Sir, welcome back. It is really yours now. Take it away. 
Well, I just want to share a few things about the history and how we know so much. So besides actual histories that have been written, uh, there, there are so many. I mean, uh, there's a book called A Mosque in Munich, and the guy, I got a chance to, to spend quite a bit of time with, with the author, uh, who is a, a journalist, did a fantastic job. But we know the history of how the Muslim Brotherhood was formed in Egypt in 1928, how violent they were, because then the British were in Egypt, and they were killing British soldiers, uh, Egyptian judges and government officials who were not uh, supporting the imposition of Sharia. Uh, in the uh, 50s and, and 40s, when they started moving in Europe, and then the late 50s, early 60s into the United States, we have uh, several major terrorism trials in the United States that are the FBI, other U.S. Uh, intelligence and law enforcement agencies, foreign governments participated. Uh, we have raids in, uh, in Europe and the United States of senior Hamas Muslim Brotherhood leaders. We have all the documents that have been discovered by the Israelis of uh, Hamas, uh, we have their covenant. We have what they say publicly. And in the United States, there's a quick story that's really cool. Uh, August 2004, uh, basically the bag man for the U.S. Muslim Brotherhood, the right-hand guy to the leader of the Hamas leader, Musa Abu Marzouk, in the United States, this guy's name was Ishmael El Barassi, is driving across the Chesapeake Bay Bridge while his wife, who's wearing a burqa, uh, his job and uh, covering is filming the support stanchions of the Bay Bridge. And two cops just driving from point A to point B see that, pull them over, they radio it in, they get about six police cars out there, the FBI comes out, he's wanted on a material witness warrant in a Hamas case in Chicago, which is the hub for Hamas in the United States, and anyway, the FBI's Washington field office, my squad, raids his home in Annandale, Virginia, 10 minutes outside of Washington, D.C., and essentially the archives of the Muslim Brotherhood discovered. So historical documents, lists of leaders, strategic documents, financial records, videotapes, audiotapes. And what do we get out of this? We get a number of things. Number one, there's a massive network that includes all of the prominent Islamic organizations in the United States that are a part of the Muslim Brotherhood network, or in the case of the Iranian elements or Diobandi or others, they're allied with the Muslim Brotherhood effort here in the United States to overthrow the government. And they're working with, for instance, Osama bin Laden. They're working with other terrorist groups like Hezbollah, Hamas is an inherent part of the U.S. Muslim Brotherhood. They have weapons and jihadi training camps in the United States, and we know they did at least as early as 1981. And my guess is, well, because we know they still have them today, and nothing is being done about that. Nothing has been done about the actual network. And the leaders of the organizations that we've identified as being part of this hostile terrorist network. Most of them wear suits, by the way, and work on Capitol Hill or on the national security staffs or at the Treasury Department or the State Department or advising the FBI and the CIA and DHS. And the network is known. So when people say, hey, 
Hamas might be coming across the border. I'm like, why would they? They're already here. They're running the joint. I mean, Rich Higgins, who is the director of strategic planning for uh, the National Security Council, said on the Hannity show six six years ago or so, seven years, about that. He's like, the Muslim Brotherhood controls the national security decision-making process in the United States. They're working at that level. So to misunderstand their impact, and now, you know, and by the way, we had a civilian, Chris Gobbets, go undercover inside Hamas, their most prominent organization, Council on American-Islamic Relations, uh, for six months and pulled 12,000 pages of internal documents that were meant to be shredded out of there. And those show ties to between CARE and wanting to work with Osama bin Laden, their financial networks, the organizations, the individuals. I mean, the amount of data we have is unbelievable. And today, CARE is working with the White House. These organizations are working directly with the National Security Council. These organizations are still even more so working with the FBI, DHS, CIA, all these people. And and you know what's interesting? Yes, and the FBI has known about this for decades and has never filed charges against them. John, we are out of time. I want to tell everybody, Raising a Jihadi Generation, his his book available now, it sounds like something we should all have. John, we're going to have to, next time we'll have to talk for like an hour because we could go on and on and on. But I appreciate you so much on this 248th birthday of the Marine Corps. Ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned when we get back. Marsha Blackburn, Tennessee Republican, goes scorched and forces Senate Democrats to do something unlikely. It's called pushback, and it's next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. So I was just saying off off air here to the people watching our stream that Republican Congresswoman Claudia Tenney has announced a an amendment to drop Corrine Jean-Pierre's salary to just $1. Because all she does is lie. Why are we paying for somebody who says, I don't have anything. I've got nothing to report. You're going to have to talk to somebody. That's a violation of the Hatch Act. All it is is bloviating lies for the administration. That is an administrative sort of form of pushback. But I want you to hear something that I think is truly effective. So Tennessee Republican Congresswoman, no, Senator, excuse me, Marsha Blackburn. She said something during a Senate proceeding yesterday about this Democrat-run incessant subpoena issue regarding Clarence Thomas. The left cannot stand, who I believe with Scalia is the finest Supreme Court justice we've had. Clarence Thomas. They cannot stand a black man who is not a card-carrying leftist. And they will do anything they can to delegitimize the court because they've got a lot of things that they want to still do. When they say, I want to finish the job, finishing the job might mean blowing up the Supreme Court. Let's delegitimize it so we can pack it 
And so their favorite poster child of attack is Clarence Thomas, going after him for his wife, going after him for his rich friends, what have you, whatever. And so finally, Marsha Blackburn has enough. And she says, you know what? If this is where we are, if this is what you guys want to do, when we have such far greater issues to discuss in this country, then whether or not Clarence Thomas's wife is an activist or whether or not he flew on a plane with a friend. If that's what you want to do, get ready because I'm filing my own subpoenas. And she opens up her notebook and she's like, and let's begin now. This is four minutes of her six minute conversation. It is that interesting. And the results of what she said is that worthwhile for you to hear this. Enjoy pushback from a Republican on the Senate. Go. Since we're in the business of issuing subpoenas now, here are a few more that I've filed. A subpoena to Jeffrey Epstein's estate to provide the flight logs for his private plane. Given the numerous allegations of human trafficking and sexual abuse surrounding Mr. Epstein, I think it is very important that we identify everybody that was on that plane and how many trips they took on that plane and the destinations to which they arrived. I've also filed a subpoena authorizing Secretary Becerra to come before this committee and explain to us how HHS and the Office of Refugee Resettlement has lost track of 85,000 children. In addition, I filed a subpoena to compel the Biden DOJ to provide all documentation about their disastrous decision to terminate the successful China initiative. That was a program that was critical to targeting and prosecuting Chinese spies in America. Next, we've got to get to the bottom of the far left's effort to take down President Trump. That's why I've filed a subpoena for all documents relating to any political donations and participation by special counsel Robert Mueller's staff. And let's talk about the two tiers of justice that we're all seeing in the Biden administration. This administration loves to talk about misinformation, but they clearly have the goal of censoring conservative speech online. In the latest example of this, DOJ, on behalf of the FTC, filed a privacy and securities practices suit against Twitter. So I think we need to get to the bottom of President Biden's efforts to silence Elon Musk. That's why I filed a subpoena to compel DOJ and the FTC to provide all documents related to the investigation of Elon Musk. So, Mr. Chairman, I think there are real issues that we should be talking about, social media and the way it's destroying our kids' lives. Wall Street Journal has an article in on this today. Our southern border is wide open. It is a vulnerability. The president's administration has lost track of 85,000 children. The world is on fire. But what you have chosen to do is to launch an assault on the legitimacy of the Supreme Court. 
if you want to take up our time and go there, Mr. Chairman, we can all go there. I think this is a sad day for this committee and for the confidence that the American people would like to have in our institution and in this prestigious committee. I, th I think it's fantastic. 100% correct. You want to play with us? You want to keep pushing this? You want to waste our time here in Congress? You are wasting the time and the patience of the American people. So therefore, my dear colleagues Dick Durbin and Sheldon Whitehouse, she's directly talking about them because they're the ones launching the assault on Clarence Thomas. You want to play? We'll play. I want the travel logs. I want to know who was on the damn plane. Where were they going? How many of you were on those planes? How many familiar names? That's one subpoena. Number two, Javier Becerra. How dare you not know where 85,000 at a minimum, and the number is higher, migrant children are. Are they part of the child sex trafficking trade? One can only fathom. Number three, how about the DOJ? You want to kill the China initiative to investigate spies. Why was it that Joe Biden killed that on day number one? I want to know more about that. We're going to issue subpoenas for that, too. So buckle up, buttercup. Number four, anything that Mueller's staff members did, political contribution-wise, we're going to subpoena the everlasting liver out of you. And by the way, since you're so horny to go after people who are conservative or do things that liberals don't like, I want to know everything about your censorship and your fight against Elon Musk. We demand it. Boom. What happened? They dropped their subpoenas into Clarence Thomas. That's called pushback. That's called stop it, you bully. Because you know what? You might not expect it, but I can punch. And we're tired of you. I thought you needed to hear that, my friends. Senator Marsha Blackburn doing what needed to be done and getting something done. All right, time for my favorite time of the day. With tomorrow being Veterans Day, it is, of course, apropos for us to pay tribute to all of you who put on a uniform and whether you served in combat or not, you were part of a very small fraction of American citizens who volunteered to be a part of something to protect us. And there's a very special story of a veteran who has been honored for doing something very special that nobody knew about until after he died. Go. If you need your faith in humanity restored, the pharmacy in Geraldine, Alabama has just the medicine. A story of kindness that began 10 years ago when a man walked in and asked to speak with pharmacist Brooke Walker. So I assumed that he needed counseled on a medication. And that's when he said, you know, do you ever have anybody that can't pay for their medicine? Brooke said, all the time. And he said, next time that happens, I want you to use this. He handed her a $100 bill the first of many $100 bills he would donate 
anonymously to help those in Geraldine who can't afford their prescriptions. People like Bree Slogater. To be honest, I was desperate. I was like, what am I going to do? I was defeated. And she said it's taken care of. And I said, how? No one in Geraldine knew how. No one knew who. Until a few weeks ago, when the donor died and the story came out. His name? Hody Childress, an Air Force veteran and farmer. These are his children, Doug and Tanya. So when you heard of the secret, were you surprised? No. He was not a wealthy man, but he was probably the richest man on earth with his heart. Yes. He would say he's building up his riches for eternity, not for here. In fact, they say Hody was near broke after spending more than $10,000 on other people's prescriptions. The high cost of prescription drugs is a problem that extends well beyond rural Alabama, and a humble farmer can only do so much to fix it. But, as is often the case with kindness, sometimes a small deed can start a monumental movement. Are you aware of what's going on? Oh, we're aware. It's global. It's just blown our mind. That one small act makes a difference. Proof of that now shows up every day in the pharmacy mailbox. Folks either donating to keep the fund going in Geraldine or pledging to start a fund at their pharmacy. Doug and Tanya say that generosity doesn't take away their pain. Sure do miss you, Dad. But it does give it purpose. You made a big impression on people. Steve Hartman, On the Road, in Geraldine, Alabama. Oh, my goodness. Necessary. All of it. All of it necessary. Do not go anywhere. If you're new to the program, it's terrible and it's worthwhile because of it. <laughs> it's your bad jokes. Bad joke Friday after the break on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. <laughs> there we go. Brock seems to be angry. He's got his angry death metal metallic. What is it? What is this? When That's Megadeth. Megadeth. Yep. There you go. Megadeth. Nothing says... How you doing? Like a little mega dot. Okay, it's the last segment of the last show of the week. And you know what that means? Ladies and gentlemen, I just flew in from New York and boy, my arm's tired. <laughs> I'm joking, of course. Anywho. Anywho. Welcome to the comedy club. Won't you give it up to Wendy and Brock for Bad Joke Friday? So Dr. Richard Rafferty's joke, an old man goes to the car dealership, walks into the showroom, finds the car that he wants, then asks the salesman to hold the car till the next day because it's his birthday and he wants to purchase the car then. The salesman gives his word. The next day when the old man comes in, unfortunately, he sees the car being sold to a young woman. Old man pulls the salesman over and says, well, not only did you not hold on to this car for me like I asked you, I noticed that you gave a young lady a discount. I'm sorry, but she insisted on only buying this car and at a discounted rate. And she's so beautiful. How could I say no? Just then the young woman in interprets and hands interprets. Uh, maybe that's a time. She hands the keys to the old man and she smiles at the salesman and then back to the old man and says, I told you they would give me a discount. Happy birthday, Dad. <laughs> Interprets isn't the word. I don't know what it is, Brock. What I, is it? I have no idea. See, Dr. Rafferty, you've got to proofread. Yeah, right? Come on. Or Wendy will chastise I you on the will. air. I will. 
I used to run a dating service for chickens, but I was struggling <laughs> to make hens meet. <laughs> wow. well, what's the difference in the people from Dubai and the people from Abu Dhabi? Well, the people from Dubai don't like the Flintstones, but the people from Abu Dhabi do. <laughs> Why don't angry witches ride their brooms? Why? They're, affla- they're afraid of flying off the handle. If athletes get athlete's foot, what do astronauts get? <clears throat> Mistletoe. Oh, Sorry. My parents wouldn't let me watch Boston Pops Orchestra on TV as a kid. Too much sax and violins. Oh my gosh. That's we bad. need to get your that is bad. We need your enthusiasm level to improve a little <laughs> bit. I want you to be more in character. Okay. So there are eleven people hanging on a rope that comes down from an airplane. Ten of them are blonde, one is a brunette. They all decide that one person should get off before the because if they don't, the rope is gonna break. Everybody's gonna die. Nobody can decide who should go. So finally the brunette delivers a very touching speech, ending with the words, I'll get off. The blondes are all very moved by her speech and start clapping. Problem solved. (laughs) Come on! My friend complained that her girlfriend doesn't (laughs) smile anymore. The girlfriend replied, you're the one who wanted a serious relationship. Oh my gosh. The Wizard of Oz is 83 years old. Today, if Dorothy ran into a man with no brains, a man with no heart, and a man with no courage, she'd be in Congress, not Oz. Ooh, ouch. No brains. Remember the... Wow, Brock's Jack O'Lantern wrote a book about his tragic life. Uh-huh. Read along as he spills his guts. Why did the coffee <laughs> file a police report? It got mugged. <laughs> now that's funny. No, you're mental. You've got issues. Deleted scenes from Star Wars, Revenge of the Sith. Darth Vader's <laughs> Padme's safe. Is she all right? Emperor. The real question is, Annie, are you okay? Are you okay, Annie? I don't get it. It's a song. A man shocked by how his buddy is dressed asked him, how long have you been wearing a bra? And the friend replies, ever since my wife found it in the glove compartment. <laughs> <laughs> I caught my neighbor stealing my socks off the clothesline. Oh. I was going to confront him, but I got cold feet. Oh, my gosh. What is a goat's beard called? A goatee. I don't oh, know. I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's stupid. Bad. That's really stupid. My friend is sleeping on my couch again. His wife asked him, our new neighbors always always kisses his wife when he goes to work. Why don't you do that? He res- responded, how can I? I don't even know her. Oh, my gosh. While visiting my son the other night, I asked if I could borrow a newspaper. He replied, Dad, this is the 21st century. I don't waste money on newspapers, but if you like, you can borrow my iPad. I can tell you this, that spider never knew what hit him. <laughs> <laughs> I found William Shatner's hairpiece yesterday. <laughs> I'm going to sell it. After all, I have bills to pay. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) My dad showed me a 20-minute PowerPoint presentation on why one should always wear a condom. All the slides were just pics of me. (laughs) (laughs) What do you call Chewbacca when he has chocolate bits in his fur? (laughs) A chocolate chip Wookiee? Oh, gosh. I told my wife that she drew her eyebrows too high. She seems surprised. <laughs> why does why did Tigger go into the bathroom? Because he was looking for poo. <laughs> I used to know a lot of jokes about retired people, but they don't work anymore. What oh, did the geez. what did the full glass say to the empty glass? You're drunk. I know. I know. What do you get when you cross a bear with a skunk? Hmm. 
Winnie the Pooh. Pooh smell. Oh, gosh. I decided to cut back some saplings over the driveway. I really branched out. What happens when strawberries are sad? (laughs) They become blueberries. (laughs) You know what they say about cold spaghetti. Those who forget the pasta are doomed to reheat it. (laughs) My My uncle's boss told him, you are the worst train operator ever. How many trains have you derailed in the past year? My uncle replied, I'm not sure. It's hard to keep track. Wow. My neighbor doesn't have the faintest idea why she passed out. I don't know what that means. I have no Faint, idea. Faintest oh. idea. Wow. That's a nice <laughs> ham you got there. It would be a shame if someone put an S in front of the E behind it. Shame. Ham. Shame. I, wow. I you said it. I'm the one. Customer service representative. Sorry. I'm late. I was having computer problems. Supervisor. Hard drive. Customer service rep. No, the commute was fine. It's my laptop. Hard drive. What's the difference between a clown and an athletic rabbit? One is a bit funny. The other is a fit bunny. (laughs) Wow. Wow. I liked him today. I'm sorry that Brock isn't fun. Hopefully he has a better better weekend and comes back not so grumpy. Hey, we're delighted to be with you. Remember, get the app, Wendy Bell Radio Network, and the podcast. We'll see you Monday. Peace.